right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. We're going to start out in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Um, again, just we'll say here, you can follow along this morning on the app. If you have our app, you can go under the worship uh, tab at the bottom. And then uh, sermon, sermon, um, sermon notes will be there uh, in that area. Um, there you can follow along. But we will be finishing up uh, our eight-week series here on uh, the kingdom. And so this morning we're going to look at the kingdom here and now. So before we jump into that, just kind of a little recap of where we were at last week. Um, we looked at the kingdom remade uh, over in Revelation chapter 21. And so we just looked in depth at the reality of God making all things new. And so we really kind of just zoomed in and focused in uh, on four areas in particular. And so we looked at uh, him making uh, a new creation. We get a new heaven and a new earth. That is what's promised to us in Revelation 21. Um, he's going to make us new spiritually, uh, what that means for us there. And then also we looked at our relationship being made new with him uh, in his presence fully perfectly in his presence for all eternity and then we looked last at this reality of us getting new physical uh, bodies that has what has been promised to us so if you missed last week or any talk in this series you can uh, catch that on our website or our app you can go back and and look at those uh, different talks there but like I said we'll be finishing up this morning and, and, and I don't know I don't know about you um, my hope and my prayer uh, in this series was just kind of reassure us of some things. I guess as believers and followers of Jesus to just settle some things all the more in our hearts, all, uh, some realities uh, to help uh, give us peace, to help give us comfort that surpasses all uh, understanding. That, that was my hope. And just in a, in a crazy year that we're living in, a crazy time uh, that we have found ourselves in here in 2020, my, my hope was just to remind us of some realities and some truths that are found in the Scripture. Uh, bring us back to, and settle us on uh, man, some things that would just allow us to anchor ourselves in hope. Uh, the hope of who Jesus Christ is and what He has done and prepared and made for us. And so uh, I was sitting around yesterday. Um, my middle child turned five yesterday. And so uh, just kind of sitting around and just reflecting, kind of looking and just watching and just taking in everything and trying to just enjoy that moment with him. And uh, in that moment, I just felt like God kind of stirring my soul, stirring my heart all the more. As I sat there and watched what I thought was a great day, my, my middle kid, like I said, turning five, and uh, we get up. And as we get up, we said, all right, buddy, uh, what do you want for and so he says, well, Dad, Chick-fil-A, why would we not do Chick-fil-A on my birthday? And I said, praise the Lord, amen, hallelujah, right? And so we do chicken biscuits yesterday morning to celebrate the morning breakfast. And so we go, and I mean, just a great time. He's in the car with me, and we're having a good time. And uh, we get back, we eat our biscuit, and then we go out back, and we play a little bit. I had to clean up the yard some, do some things in the back. And I mean, he loves to get his hands dirty and just be a part right there with Dad. And I'm just, I mean, I'm watching and just taking this in and just eating it up and loving it. I mean, yesterday's the day that I would, it was a great day yesterday for me. So we did that, and then after we did that and played a little while, we uh, ate just a little bite for lunch, and we continued all the more in that day, playing and enjoying ourselves, cleaning up and doing stuff. And then uh, we come to the part uh, where we created a, a little, um, like, scavenger hunt for him for his birthday. And he would get his gift in that from us in this scavenger hunt. And so we have the scavenger hunt. And he has to go to this place. He can't read. So I'm reading the, 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 the clues to him. And as I read the clues to him, he's thinking. And he gets all wide-eyed and excited. Is this it, Dad? Is this it? I said, nobody over here. And we go over here. Well, where's my present? I said, it's coming, dude. Let's just, let's just figure it out first. And so we, we walk through all of that and just taking it in. And again, my soul is just, it just feels so good in that moment with him. 
my heart is just full in this moment. And we continue to do it, and he gets his little gift, and we come back, and we, we've grilled hot dogs, and so we have hot dogs. Uh, and as we have hot dogs, and we have some cupcakes, and we sing to him, and, and we just have these little festivities, just, just, uh, just us there. And as we, as we do that, man, my heart is just in eating it up and loving it. But there's something missing. Even in what I would characterize as a great day in the Miller household, there's something missing. It's like there's more than I was created for. In the midst of the craziness of this world, yeah, you feel that angst in your soul and in your heart and that pull. You feel it in those moments. But, but the good days, like I'm getting to the point in my life that even in the good days, Man, when things seem to be full and I'm enjoying it and I'm fully immersed in this time of just man, man, great just enjoyment, there, there, there's still something missing in those days. And I believe it's because we were created for more. I was created for more. And even the greatest day on planet Earth fails woefully short with eternity with our Creator God. And I'm starting to feel that all the more. It's, like I said, it's easy to feel in the tough, difficult days, but, but in the good days, that stirring in my soul, in my bones, in my heart for something more with my Savior is present and making itself known all the more. I mean, I wouldn't trade yesterday for anything. But knowing that there's something going to be far, far greater than even a great day with my five-year-old boy. And so that brings me to today. We're going we're to just look a little bit deeper as we finish up this series at the kingdom here and now. We'll dive in and we'll, we'll see what that means and what that looks like for us as, as we talk about the kingdom here and now. So what I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you to join me as we pray. And, and as we do that, I want to do it a little bit different. Maybe, uh, maybe you're at a place this morning that you're just hurting, that you feel uh, an angst, whatever the case is, anxiety, whatever it may be. I, the way that I want us to pray this morning is this. Without asking questions, without looking around, without digging deeper, uh, maybe if you're here this morning and, man, God's just stirred your heart or you just feel unsettled or there's something just deep in your soul that just, you maybe don't even know what it is. Maybe you do know what it is, but, but just in this moment, I just want to ask you if you'd stand and give me the great privilege and honor just to pray for you this morning as we start. So anything at all in your heart, in your soul, you're just like, man, I'm just unsettled. There's just something. I just want to thank you, thank you. And anybody else just in this moment, I mean, it, I'm standing because there is in my heart and my soul too. Thank you, thank you. Yep, yep. No, we're not going to do anything weird here. We're just going to, I'm just going to pray for you and we're going to open up the service. Right. Would you join me as we pray? Father, we, we, we come before you and God, we acknowledge, um, God, we need you. Father, this, this whole series, as we've looked in your word at what it means to be a citizen, as it look, if we looked in your word at what it means, this kingdom that you've created and that you're working on and building and that you're going to establish, Father, God, there's still angst and there's still hurt, even for your citizens, for those that belong to you. And so, God, in this moment, those that are standing, there's a need on their heart that you are well aware of. God, that you know intently and deeply of whatever the case may be. And so, Father, I ask this morning that you would touch the heart of those that are standing in a special way. God, that your Holy Spirit would just wrap his arms around them and encourage and bring about and do in their heart and their soul the very thing that they need the most. Father, we, we, we turn to your word for encouragement. We turn to your word for direction. We turn to your word for hope because in that reveals you 
And Father, you're the only answer to any question. And so Jesus, this morning, I pray that you would speak louder than words. God, I pray that you would move and work in a mighty way. God, we thank you and we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. And we pray. Amen. Thank you for that, um, giving me that privilege. Um, Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Acts chapter 1, we'll start in verse 6. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. It'll be on the screen, it's on the app. Um, You can follow along if you would like. This is what God's Word says. It says, so when they had come together, they asked him. This is the disciples here. Jesus has uh, been crucified. He's resurrected, and he's with his disciples. He's about to return to heaven. Uh, And so they come together. They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? See, the the apostles, they believed that the earthly form of the kingdom would soon be reestablished. They knew that there was something greater coming. They knew that there was something greater coming to earth, that God was going to reestablish and do a work. They knew the Old Testament prophets had prophesied. You've got Ezekiel, you've got Joel. They talk about the coming kingdom when the the outpouring of the Spirit is at hand. So they're aware of these type of things. They, They knew that there was something greater coming. It's almost like that angst in their soul. They knew that something greater was coming, that this Jesus who they have given everything for, who has died and has been resurrected and now is with them, that he is going to accomplish a work that will, that will be like none other. And so even by the way that they're talking here in verse 7, in verse 7 we'll see it's going to show that there's this expectation of a literal kingdom. I mean, things are going to be greatly, greatly different here on this earth one day. And so if this wasn't the case, then Jesus would have corrected them. He would have uh, set them on the right path. He would have let them know. I mean, we even talked about it last week in Revelation 21. And then there was this hope and there was this eagerness for something greater coming. And then he goes on in verse 7 and he says this. Jesus answers. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He doesn't, don't, don't worry about that stuff. Be present in the here and now, doing and living the things that I've called you to do and live. And then he tells this and he encourages them this in, in verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. I love that. It's a promise. He tells them that they're going to get something. Not hopefully, not maybe, not if you try hard enough, not if you do something. No, he says, but you will receive power. How? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so this is power that they're going to receive. Power like they've never before experienced. Never before known. They've seen the working of this kind of power, but, but, but it's going to come in a new, fresh way. They're going to receive it themselves. And so when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, what do we know about that? The power of the Holy Spirit gives them boldness. We'll see that later on in the book of Acts. Right? You've got these cowardly group of followers of Jesus who, who are following after him. Like I said, very cowardly, very scared. I mean, think about Peter just, just a few days before this. What is it? Lord, I, I will die for you. And what happens? Denies him three times. Runs away scared. You've got the other disciples that, that are nowhere to be found at the crucifixion scene. Scared to death. Afraid for their life. All of a sudden, in the book of Acts, what you see is the Holy Spirit come upon them and it gives them great boldness to go out and proclaim, to go out and tell I mean, there's times where they're arrested and beaten. And what do they do? They still proclaim Jesus. They're not afraid of that. It gives, he gives them this boldness. Also in the book of Acts, you see that after they pray, God takes notice and moves in a mighty way. There's, there's times where they pray and the very foundation of the house that they're staying in is shaken. Jail doors open. I mean, there's just an amazing power in the Holy Spirit. He gives them wisdom. I mean, these uneducated men who have followed Jesus for about three years... 
And even when they follow Jesus, they're clueless, are they not? They don't fully get and comprehend what happens after they receive the Holy Spirit. They get this wisdom that is outside of them. They speak up and they share and they proclaim in a whole new way. I mean, you see other places where uh, sick are healed as a result of that. So there's immense power in the Holy Spirit. And all of these works of the Holy Spirit here that the disciples are experiencing, that they're going to experience, was meant to bring heaven to earth and show what the kingdom of God is like here and now in that moment. That's what God's doing. And hear me, church, we're no different. You and I are no different. Our God is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. We're no different. We have access to that power, the power of the Holy Spirit, for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So as citizens, we have the Holy Spirit living in us and access to His power. Why? So that we can show the world. So that we can proclaim to the world what what our King is like. Who He is. How great and mighty He is. His majesty and His glory. And on top of that, show them what the kingdom is like. The kingdom that is to come. For us to bring His kingdom here and now. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He goes on and says this, And you will be my witnesses. I love His promises. I mean, I don't know if you're, you're into reading the promises of God, but whenever I read things like this, this isn't a, like him standing on the corner hoping that it'll happen. He's like, well, well, just maybe. No, no, no. These are promises that he tells his followers, his disciples, which we can take away from today as well. You will receive power. You will be my witness. And so, church, hear me. Every citizen, every follower of Jesus is being a witness, whether you realize it or not. You this week witness to the kingdom of what it's like or what it's not like every single one of us by the way that we lived our lives the things that we we did the way that we the way that we do and are just are we witness to the kingdom we proclaim to this world what our king is like and what his kingdom is gonna be like by the way we talk, the way we act, react, the way we parent, the way we coach, the way we drive our vehicle, the way we anything that we do the rants that we participate in on social media, the, way, the ones that we don't, whatever it is that we do, we are proclaiming, we are witnessing what the kingdom of God is like. We're showing where our fears are, where our insecurities are at. I mean, I don't know how everything over the last few weeks has affected you. But man, my hope is not in here, in a political system. My hope is in a king. Whatever pandemic brings at us, whatever happens over the next few months, the next few years, my hope is not here in this moment. My hope is in a king who holds the world in his hands. And I don't know if you realize the power by which he has. You can blame it on a hurricane that came through, some winds and some rains that we got. But man, knocked power. We're living in 2020. And I know people that didn't have power for four or five days. Are you kidding me? Just plug that junk up and let's go. I mean, is it not that easy? No, it's not that easy. I mean, but who, who, who's got that kind of power just to knock a whole grid like that? I mean, people, I mean, we're not even, how far are we from the ocean? But the remnants of that travel through, I and mean, who's in control of that? The King of kings, the Lord of lords is aware and has all power that's his, but he says, you will be my witness so we're to be witnesses of what the kingdom is like. We're to proclaim, we're to show this world what God's kingdom is like. See, a, a witness is someone who tells the truth about something that they've experienced, seen, or they know. 
That's what a witness does. They, they proclaim and they tell of. In the original language here, when you see, and you will be my witness, in the original language that it was written, it, it, it portrays this thought of someone who's willing to die for what, what, what they know. Die for their faith. And what we know from the scriptures is that this is usually the case because if people in this day took the name of Jesus, it could end uh, in death for them. So let's, let's talk about that for a second, can we? What has it cost you to be a citizen of the kingdom? What, what has the king required of you this day as a citizen of that kingdom? All I know is if it hasn't cost much, chances are it's not worth much. Because things that are cheap and insignificant, I don't really fight for. But things that hold great value, things that are important, things that, that mean a lot, and then I will fight hard for there is great cost in those type of things. And, and I'm willing to go above and beyond for. And I guess my question for you is this. What does it cost you to be, to be a citizen of the kingdom? Because it's going to cost you some things. Because to follow Jesus and to be a part of this kingdom, there's expectations, there's standards by which we live. Lifestyles, language, thoughts, activities, relationships, certain wants, finances. There's an expectation in being a part of this kingdom, belonging to this king, and it's going to cost us something. And never forget what the king has already paid for us, the ransom that has already been paid for the citizens. So there's going to be a cost. If the king is willing to pay, do you not think that there's an expectation for us as his citizens? But hear me, our cost is nowhere near the original payment. Nowhere near the original payment. Man, and the benefits of what we get for being citizens is so far beyond what we could ever imagine. But he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witness. And then look at where he says in verse 8. He says, as we finish up verse 8, he says, In Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But the thing I love about this is that this king doesn't just think of the here and now. He thinks global. He doesn't just want a few. He wants the many. He wants everybody everywhere. That, that's what he's talking about. Jerusalem, here in this town, this city, where they're at. In Judea, Samaria. Samaria is a place that was uh, on the outskirts, that was looked down. They were half-breeds. They had married into the world, these Jewish people. They were looked down upon. Their stories of Jews walking hundreds of miles around Samaria to get to where they needed to be just because they wouldn't dare go through Samaria. And what the king says is, man, I want them to be my citizens as well. To the point of where he says, even to the ends of the earth. I, mean, I love what this will look like when the kingdom is consummated. Listen, listen for just a second. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn there. We'll continue in Acts 2 here in just a moment. But, but this is what Revelation 9 says. Just listen to this for a moment. Get a, get a picture of this. This is John pinning this. And after he pins this on the Isle of Patmos, he says, After, I, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that, that no one could number. He says there's such a multitude, such a great number of people gathered in this moment that, that you can't even begin to count, that you can't even begin to fathom, that you can't even begin to understand a great multitude that no one could number. He says, from every nation, from all the tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne 
and to the Lamb. That just mirrors what, what, what Jesus says there in Acts 1.8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we fast forward and, and we get a glimpse of eternity. We get a glimpse of, of heaven with Jesus. And this is what we see, a great number that no one can even count. But even more than that, the ends of the earth type talk here. All tribes, all people, all languages standing before the throne. Crying out, salvation belongs to our God. And so I just, I just love this. I just love the picture that this paints here. One, it fulfills Scripture, does it not? Acts 1.8 says, to the ends of the earth. And this is not long after Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. And so what do we see in the kingdom? We see, we see all nations. We see all peoples. This reveals the heart of the king. Church, church this should be our heart as citizen, as citizen people. As, as citizens of the kingdom is, is this. Our heart should image that of the king. And so this is the little portion here in the talk that's going to sting a little bit. And so I just want to kind of give you a heads up. But the question I would ask you is this. Who are you befriending that's different than you? I just want to let that sit there for a second. Who are you befriending that's different than you? Who are you going after that doesn't look like, talk like, or act like you? And if we answer that question with a, but Scott, or, or, or but, but, but now hold on, then we've answered it wrong. Because the picture that we see here in Revelation, the, 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 the view that we get from Acts 1 as us being citizens of the kingdom is what is to go after everybody, everywhere. No matter if they speak our language or don't, no matter if they look like us or if they don't look like us, no, no matter who or what, what we are to be agents of the, of the citizen of heaven, those type of agents that takes the glorious message of the hope that we have within us, the gospel to the nations, all people everywhere. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but America is becoming that place where people gather at, where the nations is coming to us. So we really don't have to go far to do that now. But we need to go far to do it. We've got amazing opportunity even in our own community, in our own neighborhoods now, to reach the nations. So the kingdom, just, just hear me, the kingdom of heaven is going to look much different than what you see and experience in this room every week. Just prepare your heart. Much, much different. Some of the sweetest times of worship that I have ever had is being on a mission trip in, in Juarez, Mexico. One of the roughest places in Mexico, just across the border at El Paso. And we're there, and we go to church service on Sunday morning, and as we gather, I don't speak a lick of their language. I, 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 mean, I, I can get to a bathroom, and that's about it. And as we gather there, and this church begins to play songs that, that we sing week in and week out, I am there singing in the English language all the while they are there singing in their language. And it is a beautiful thing. Man, as the church gathers, 
as the kingdom is made known here and now through the proclamation of the king, through song in different, in different languages, same beat, different languages. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I guess what I would say to you here in this moment of the ends of the earth and what, what we see the picture of here in Revelation is that we better be proponents and we better be agents in bringing the kingdom to all people everywhere. And, and hear me, church, we've got to do a better job. Your pastor has got to do a better We have got to come together and do a better job of reaching all people everywhere. Because what I see in this room is a bunch of people that look the same. And we've got to go after the nations. And that's even the heart behind this program that we're getting ready to, to launch out there, to, to bring before you this, this after-school program to, to, reach, to reach our community. Let's, let's just play for a second, take a poll. How many people live in the community next door, over here? God forgive us. How many people live out here in front of us? What about over here? I know that there's one, she's back with the children. It's one person. What about in the communities right next to us? Good God, help us. You know what I'm saying? God, break our heart over that. We've been here in this building for over 10 years, and we haven't even touched the surface of our community? That should crush us. We should say amen right now. We should just go knock on doors. If we're going to be serious for a moment about being serious about the kingdom, about being serious about what the heck are we doing? What the heck am I doing? Church, we've got a community here that we're not even reaching. Not to mention what the kingdom's going to look like. I, let's just pray. I just need to pray. Let's, let's, let's pray for a moment, can't we? God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I stand on the stage week in and week out telling a group of people of how important it is to reach the world and I'm not even doing it myself. God, forgive us as this church that's not actively pursuing this community in a way that we need to. God, it starts with me. I'm the leader of this place. You've commissioned me and put me in charge and so the sin falls on me and I'm sorry. But God, I can't take all responsibility because you've called all believers in this place, citizens of your kingdom, to go and to share and to invite and to love and to walk with. And God, we're not doing a good job. And I don't care if there's a pandemic going on. I don't care if it's an election. I don't give a rip about all that stuff. All I know is this, is that you say you will call lost man to you if we'll just go and tell him. And God, shame on us for looking over our neighbors to go to the big, pretty, nice mission trips or glitz and glamorous opportunities, God, whenever we won't even tell our neighborhood about you. And God, it's us having a service week in and week out at 10 o'clock in this place is not enough. That's, that's not it. So God, I just pray that you would move, God, that we would feel the weight of this for a moment. God, that I would feel the weight of this for a moment. That I wouldn't settle, that we wouldn't settle. And I know we've got things coming down the pike that we're excited for to do that. But God, we don't have to wait until January or February or March. We don't have to get through the Christmas season before we start inviting and going after. 
God, we can knock on the door of our neighbor. We can invite somebody that we work with. God, we can, we can be uh, active and, in, and, go, and going and doing. We can be intentional. So God, I just pray that, that I wouldn't forget the sting of this moment ever. And God, that the men and women that are in this place this morning would feel feel that. And that we would have that moment where it's hard to breathe for a second. And as we exhale, God, we would take serious the mandate to go. All people everywhere, myself included. Oh, God, break our heart for the nations. Break our heart for the people living next to us. God, break our heart for those who don't look like us, act like us, or talk like us. God, it might just be that we get to heaven and we're disappointed. Because your heaven, your kingdom is going to look vastly different than we could ever imagine. God, prepare us and help us and give us a heart for. Break us, Jesus. I pray you break us. Start with me. And we pray. Amen. So when we looked at the kingdom, when we talked about the kingdom, when we defined the kingdom, we defined it as his rule and his reign. His rule and his reign. But my question is, how does he do that now? How does he do that now? How has he made his kingdom present here and now in his people? Acts 2 verse 1, this is what God's word said. says, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And so Pentecost is when, when the Jews would celebrate the giving of the law there on Mount Sinai. They would come together as one of the three Jewish festivals that would require a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. If you had the means to do that, if you could get there. And so you would pack up your family and you would travel to Jerusalem to be in, in Jerusalem there at the temple and to celebrate that God gave you the law to his people. And, and so it's, it's just a remembering that there's this way of life. That's what Pentecost is. And then look at what happens in verse 2. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And so there's times where we see in scriptures, there's times in your life, my life, where, where we feel that visible, audible, touchable demonstration of God's power and God's presence. That's what's happening here. In verse 3 we see that the divided tongues uh, as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what we see is we see the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. We see the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit here. So we as citizen king, uh, king, citizens of the kingdom have his presence living in us, whereby he puts on display his rule, his reign, his kingdom. So what it comes down to is this, is that we show his rule and reign, how by our obedience. You want to point to the world what the kingdom is like? Obey Jesus. Obey what he said. Obey what he's asked us to do. Follow him out. Live him out in this world. That's how we show his rule and reign here now. Him living in us and directing us and guiding us. Causing us to feel conviction. Causing us not to do certain things that the world does. Causing us not to talk certain ways that the world talks. Us being contrary to the world. It's us being obedient to the king. If we want to show this world what the king and the kingdom is like, we obey. His rule and His reign in us by way of the Holy Spirit. And so as citizens here now, we have access to His presence. 
And there's times where he will fill us in such a way to make his presence known all the more. So being filled with the Spirit is not a once and for all event, but an ongoing and repeated occurrence that happens in a believer's life. Yes, residence of the Holy Spirit living in us is a one-time event whereby we enter into the new birth, to, to the new birth of who Christ is. We enter in that way. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is something completely different where he pours out his spirit upon us and we're filled with joy, we're victorious over sin, that we have a boldness to witness and do things outside of who we are. Like that moment we just experienced, I don't know if you felt it, but I felt that kind of that crushing weight of conviction for a moment. About, Scott, who did you talk to this week that doesn't look like you, act like you, or talk like you? Scott, who have you talked to in these neighborhoods this week that doesn't come to church here, that doesn't know Jesus like you know? I, I don't know if you felt that, but that, that conviction that, that, that just overwhelmed me in that moment, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the loving nudge of our God. Say, come on, man. And I expect I've got so much more. Oh, you, you, I'm in you, and I want you to do this, and I want you to submit to my authority and to my reign and to my rule. And if you do that, Scott, I will use you in a way that you'll never imagine. Things will happen even outside of you that I can do. That's the f- pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And hear me, when we have those moments, there's, that's glimmers of the kingdom here now. God's power and presence reigning in the here and now in our life. Church, we have the opportunity to put on display our king that way in this world. That's what we have. And so it goes on in verse 2, or chapter 2, starting with verse 5. He says, now, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, the Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And so this is the tongues that are mentioned there in verse 4. It's the tongues here, the apostles receiving power to speak different languages. Languages that are not their fluent tongue. The Holy Spirit has filled them and given them, given them the opportunity and to know how to speak a different language. Like, like, like English, I struggle with English. But it'd be like me going on a, on a mission trip to Mexico and while I'm there in Mexico, uh, my Spanish just kicks in and I can begin to speak. More than mi casa, su casa, and baño. I can hold conversation. I can begin to uh, 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 dissect the gospel and share with them. And there are story after story after story of people uh, experiencing that. So that's what's happening here. God fills them in such a way that they begin to speak God rules and reigns in them so much so that their tongue talks a language that they don't know. Why? So that the people present there can hear the good news of the gospel. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Again, that's a work of the kingdom. That's that's submission to God's rule and reign, His Holy Spirit in them, making His message available to all people everywhere. And then we come to verses 9 and 11, and it tells us that the people is represented there on this most glorious day as God pours out his spirit upon his people and allows them to do these mighty works of the kingdom. And they work of making known Jesus all the more. That's what that tells us there. And then we get to verse 12, and it says this, And they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? 
what, what does this mean? What is going on? I mean, they, they are taken back by, and, and hear me, when the citizens of God show up under the authority and rule and reign of the king, this is the response we get from the lost world. I, I mean, what a question. Look at that. What does this mean? I mean, the depth in that question. Imagine, ch- church, imagine what we could do in that moment just being submissive to the Lord in your work and you do something that doesn't make sense to this world. And like, what, what does that mean? I mean, if I have a moment to describe and explain to someone what this means, what me being obedient to Jesus means, of me having the opportunity to share what the kingdom of God is truly like, not what we've made up in our head or, or not what we've been uh, uh, indoctrinated with that's false or what we think it's going to be like or what we think God is like or, what, or, 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 the, or the messed up uh, images of what. But if we have the opportunity to share with the lost world of what the resurrected Jesus is like, what the kingdom is truly all about, man, what a question here. What a question what does this mean? It means that the, that the king wants you as a citizen. I mean, how amazing is that? Is, it, is that we've actually got a king that wants us. And we don't have to do anything to, to earn that. No, just, just by his nature and his character. It's that of pursuing and coming after and, and wanting to grow his kingdom and build his kingdom. And he wants us as citizens. And we can even prove it. I mean, look to the cross. Look at the cross. He makes a way at all costs for as many as possible to have the opportunity to hear and submit, believe and be a part of the kingdom, be a part of his rule and his reign. That's what the king does. He allows us, his followers, his citizens, here and now, and dwelt by his spirit to be a part of his kingdom. And as we live in such a way, we get to put his rule and reign in our life on display. Land of the free, home of the brave. We don't want nobody telling us nothing. We're dang Americans. We don't need that junk. I can shoot my rifle wherever I want to and spit on whatever I need to spit on. Nobody can't tell me nothing. No, I need to be ruled and reigned over because I know that when I'm left alone, bad things happen. I need the rule and reign of a king. I need Jesus and the great news about the gospels that he wants to be the king. He wants to indwell his people and he wants us to show this world what he is truly like. So as Eric comes back up to lead us, man, my hope and my prayer is that throughout this whole series, God, God by way of his Holy Spirit, has, has moved in your life in such a way to accomplish a number of things. A number of things. And here are just four things that I, I jotted down real quick this week as I reflected back over some of the talks throughout this series, as I reflected over even, even this morning as this, is that one, he offers citizenship. He offers citizenship. I think, I think one of the craziest things for me being a part of student ministry for so long that, just, that, that God just made me aware of is this need in people's hearts to belong. I, I, I mean, in students' lives to be a part of and to belong to something. And, and I think that's why it's so important with student ministry. Our children, we talk about it all the time. It's to give them something to, be, to belong to, to, to show them the one that desires and wants a relationship with them more than anybody else. And so the thing that blows me away is that he offers us citizenship. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but I know me. I don't know if I'd be a very good citizen anywhere, honestly. But this king comes after, and he makes known, and he reveals himself, and he extends the invitation, and he shows us of our great need for him. Something else, God, that has disturbed in my heart as a result of this is, has he caused you to be more aware and more need of his presence? From when we talked about it in the fall, in the garden, where sin enters the world and Jesus withdraws his presence. We desperately need it. Uh, Again, all believers, citizens, he is alive and he is active in you. And the thing that we need most, the thing that this world needs most is not more programs, not more uh, policies, not more, it needs more Jesus. That's what this world needs. That's what this world is longing for, and it doesn't even know it's longing for it. And the thing for us as citizens is he has made us aware all the more of the need of his presence. My hope, my hope is this, is that this series has encouraged you. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you go through, as a citizen of the kingdom, there's nothing that can take that. Nothing that can take that. It can't be stripped from you. It can't be stolen. It can't be tarnished. You are his for eternity if you're a citizen. If you've come through faith in Jesus Christ, you will inherit that perfect kingdom with the perfect king. And the last thing that I would just say, and there's a number of things we could talk about this series. My hope is that he has stirred in your heart, and even this morning, shown you how serious things truly are. That, that he stirs an urgency in your heart to share the gospel and win as many people as possible to Christ. Just close your eyes for a second and hear this again. Revelation 7, and I looked and beheld a great multitude that no one could number. I don't care how many Clemson games you've been to, how many Carolina games you've been to, I don't care how many stadiums that you've been filled at, or how many rallies you've been to that you can't even count, but like, like, this is a whole new level, a great multitude that no one could number. And, and how do you even do this from every nation, all the tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb? clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands. This is an acknowledgement of the king, and they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne to the lamb. Who sits on the throne? The king sits on the throne. Oh, may God stir in our heart that reality and that need to be serious and honed in and locked in and intentional on sharing the gospel and getting as many citizens as possible. That's a picture of eternity for us, church. So I don't know what God stirred in your heart. I don't know what he's doing in your heart as a result of his word this morning. But I want you to be obedient. I want you to, if you need to come pray, if you need somebody to talk to, whatever it is that you need to do in this moment as the Holy Spirit reveals on your heart, lays on your heart conviction or encouragement, may you be obedient. Jesus, help us in this moment. Help me in this moment navigate the reality of what you've pressed upon my heart, God, even in this moment. God, help us feel conviction. Help us come all the more under your rule and your reign. And God, if repentance needs to take place, God, break our heart. God, if it's encouragement this morning, God, give us that. You do what you see fit in this moment. Jesus, we need you. We thank you for your rule and reign. We thank you that you're in complete control. And we pray. Amen. You stand. Eric's going to lead us. You be obedient.